0: has got you in trouble a lot, right? Don't be pointing no fingers. Hallelujah. we all guilty. (laughs) Well, that's why we're in this series, and I I really am excited about it. I didn't really know when I actually started, you know, looking about what series we might would go into. I I just kind of spoke this by faith and said, let's just do my big fat mouth. Hallelujah. Sounds good. But then the more I get in it, wow. I mean, man, we're here this time of year where you're visiting family and friends and you're kind of hanging out with people. Uh, And you contend to get in uh, a position to where you let your mouth go a little bit too much Or you say some things that hurt people's feelings or or whatever Uh, The first two weeks we actually talked about the two toughest things I think that anybody could endure And those that were here, thank you (laughs) You endured some really, really tough messages, okay But they're very true messages In the first week we talked about lying Has anybody in here ever told a lie? Oh yeah Probably told one this past week, okay? Uh, and it might not have been a full-fledged lie. Maybe it was like a half-truth. Or maybe we added something to it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, and, and, and maybe we exaggerated, okay? These are the things we've got to remove from our lives. Lying should never come out of our mouth. I used to say this all the time, and I still do occasionally. Brandon reminded me of this, uh, this past Friday night. But I used to just tell people, when do we lie? When do we lie? When's a good time to lie? Never. There's never a good time to lie. I mean, people may say, well, Nathan, I just can't tell them the truth. They can't handle the truth. <laughs> really? Boy, you're underestimating, okay, the person you're going to talk to. Because you what you're saying is I'm scared to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. Because I'm scared of how they're going to respond, is what you're really saying. Because you was a bad boy or a bad girl. You know what I'm saying? So lying was the first week, and the next week we talked about. I'm going to tell you this, but don't tell nobody. And what does most people do? Lean in. Oh, really? Oh, wow. What else did they do? And it just goes on and on and on. We have this all the time. We gossip, gossip, gossip. I asked the question, which was sad, but is there anybody, or have you ever known anybody that attends church that maybe gossips? We had a lot more head shakes going on. I guess y'all corrected some things like last <laughs> because it was emphatically, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Should that be? I mean, man, we have met the risen Savior, man. He loves us. He's changed us. We should not be lying, and we shouldn't be gossiping. What if you got caught gossiping about somebody, but it was encouraging? You was encouraging somebody. Have you ever walked up on somebody, and they're really talking good about you? How does that make you feel? Oh, man, it does. It makes you feel good. Has anybody ever walked up on somebody and and maybe they were talking about you or maybe they stopped talking? (laughs) They just quit. Well, you know (laughs) that ain't a good sign because either they were talking about you or they were having a conversation they shouldn't be having and they felt bad about it and they stopped, okay? And this goes on all the time. And one of the reasons why I believe the Lord has pointed me to this particular series to point to you guys because as followers of Christ... We tend to not understand when things don't go right in our life because we think, oh, I'm a Christian, I serve in the church, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, I do. I'm kind to people sometime if we're in, not in traffic. <laughs> but, I mean, we're doing somewhat what it seems to be like, all the right things, but yet some things just don't go right in our families. Some things don't go right in our personal life. We don't get the promotion. We don't get the job. We don't get, we don't get the raise. Or, or maybe the relationship broke up. Maybe some things just weren't going right. And we, we sometimes ask the question, why is this not going right for me? I'm serving. I'm loving. I'm a Christian. I go to church. Yada, yada, yada. We're doing all these things. That on the outward appearance, looks like we're doing the right things. And those are good things. But what the Lord pointed me to is John 10, 10, where Jesus, out of his own mouth, said, the thief comes to what? steal kill and destroy what does a good thief want to do he wants to steal but he wants to be so good that he comes in and he comes out and you don't even know he showed up that's a good thief he don't want the limelight he wants to be able to smooth his way in there like Michael Jackson, do a little, you know, moonwalk in there, and then moonwalk back out. Hallelujah. He was good at it. I tried it when I was young. I loved the guy, man. He was my hero, his music, okay? I could never do the moonwalk right, okay? But we tried. Hallelujah, we tried. But the reality is is he wants to come in and he wants to go out, and he don't want you to know it. for most Christians, what he is hoping will happen is he'll go, come in, he'll do something, he'll back out, and then you'll go, God, why? He wants you to look up. I'm going to give you a bit of information. I say it all the time. I'm going to continue to say it. God is never a part of your problem. Never. Hear me on that. If you're going through some hard times today, maybe your body's not feeling right. Maybe the relationships ain't going the way they should. Maybe, maybe you, you know, the world you live in is kind of shaking and there's a, there's a hurricane or a tornado going into your life. And if you're not experiencing that, you know, uh, you live a little while, you, you'll experience a little rumble, okay? You'll experience a little thunder. Just know God's never behind anything bad happening. Never, never, never. If you don't understand what's going on, that's okay. You don't understand how a plane operates, but you get in it. You don't understand totally how a car operates, but we drive it. There's things in life, guess what, guys? We don't understand. And that's okay. But don't ever point to God. He's never a part of the problem. God is always going to be a part of the solution. He's about fixing things, not tearing things up. You know what I'm saying? And that's why, you know, as you know, is, is Miss Christie did that, and thank you, Miss Christie. I mean, you did better than I. I probably wouldn't have been able to say two words. I mean, I'm about to fall apart while she's talking because I was telling her before service, you know, uh, when I was dating Belinda, um, why is it you just start crying when you start thinking about it? Uh, but when I was dating Belinda, we went to school together, by the way. We graduated the same year, 1985, from Stockbridge High School. Woo! Yeah, come on. Hallelujah. Uh, but we graduated the same year, and I remember as a kid that I would look at her in the hallway, she wore a lot of makeup then. I mean, man, she was a rainbow girl, man. She had on all the nice little, I mean, she had eyeshadow shadow on. I mean, man, she was, you couldn't miss her, you know? I mean, just glowed in the dark. And uh, so I would see her, and I could tell she was a special young lady, okay? Because she wasn't a big mouth girl. She wasn't a talker. She was just quiet. And, and, of course, you all know quiet attracts. I mean, blah, 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 blah. I, was I wasn't attractive, okay? I was the blah, blah, blah guy, okay? But I remember as a heathen, okay, that didn't live right, I remember looking at her at times and going, man, I, you know what, I, I'd like to talk to her. As a quick thought, okay? And then all of a sudden the demons would go, oh, no, bro, no, 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 you don't want nothing to do with that, man. Come on over here, okay? She was a really angel then. Little did I know, fast forward in this, you know, years, that in 1997 I would have the opportunity to be married to a girl that I really liked a lot in high school, just never was able to make it known because I was a bad, bad guy. But I remember as we was dating, and it started getting serious. I asked her to marry me, and she said no. How about that? Hallelujah! I said, Belinda, will you marry me? She said no. See, no's not a bad word because I stuck with it. But she had just lost her husband, Reggie Mickler, which is in heaven now, and he's a great man of God. Uh, and it was a few years past that, and she just she wasn't ready. And I was fine. I understood that. Okay. But I remember as we begin to start getting serious, I remember looking at her one night and I said, Belinda, you know what? I mean, because I had a chipped tooth. I had a gap in my teeth. I mean, I was a sight for sore eyes, dog. I really, I mean, I mean, it was not, I, I don't know why she liked me. I'll be honest with you. I'm thinking I was not that attractive at all. But I remember, you know, saying, you know what, Belinda, could I just be your friend? Will you promise me that I can just be your friend? And if you do find somebody that you want to get married, well, then, you know, that's okay. You know, at least let me just be your friend. Because there's certain people in your life guys whether you're married to them or whether just acquaintances that really do change your life and i think there's so many of those people that just don't get noticed they really are you know we have a lot of them in here i mean you guys are special but it's those people that just touch your life and it's like man they do it effortlessly i mean i have to work up some love you know what i'm saying there's just times i just want to just give people a piece of my mind am i in the house with anybody else that likes to do that every now and then you just want to tell somebody like it is because they need to hear it. You know what I'm saying? It's just true. But she continues to love and love and love and love. And it's actually changed me. A little bit. <laughs> nah, nah. So thanks, Christy, for doing that. I mean, it's just really, um, it, it's worth it. She's, she's an amazing, amazing girl. And my son's made it to the front row here. Man, I love you. Son, hallelujah, you're so amazing. (laughs) Blow me kisses. Hey, let's turn in our Bibles to Proverbs 18, 21, and let's get started here. Uh, I have a lot to say in a short period of time, but guys, I want you to lean in because I'm not talking, the Holy Spirit's talking, and I believe what you lean into, what you have faith to hear, your ears are open, you're going to hear something good today, and it's going to help you. It's going to help you be better, okay? That's what we're trying to do at Revolution Church, all right? We just want to help you be a better citizen, a better follower of Christ. Because you guys know it, as much as I know it, many of y'all may not be on social media, but there, there is a thing called social media out there. You know, I may have never heard of Instagram. Instagram, you know, y'all can download that app and get on Instagram, and maybe you can even download this, this app called Facebook, okay? No, y'all are all on those things. And y'all see the negativity in the world, whether it's through videos or it's through posts. There's a lot of negativity going on, and I think the church can be the answer to that problem. But we've got to start with... Us, So let's start with Proverbs eighteen twenty one, And let's find out a little bit about our big fat mouth The Bible says that death and life Are in the power of what body member? The tongue He goes on to say And those who love it will eat its fruit And this is where the enemy really gets a lot of people He puts a little pressure on you He squeezes you a little bit And then he backs up And he's banking on you using your tongue in a negative way. He's hoping that you release some, some some fear-based words, some deadly words out of your mouth to where he can grab those words and bring you the fruit of death, the fruit of disease and sickness and pain and lack. That's what he's banking on. He really is. He's hoping, man, she's hurting right now. He's hurting right now. Man, this is a good time. Let me just back up and let's let her or him just go to town saying whatever they want to say. When they think it's just harmless, it's no big deal because you don't see your words. You don't see it. You don't see the enemy. It's a spiritual thing. There's a spiritual world that we're involved in, not just an earthly world. So he backs up and he goes, okay, are you going to say good things or bad things? Now, Jesus is on the other side over here, okay, because he's the high priest of your confession as well. And he's hoping that you're going to say something life-giving. You're going to say something he can work with so Jesus can stand for you. But if you use negative words, death-filled words, words that bring death, then what are you going to attract? And you do it unknowingly. Because, you know, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just saying what's really going on. I'm being real with everybody. And there's something that you can't see happening There's plans to take you out. There's plans to hurt you. And what does the police officer say if you get picked up like I did many years ago for DUI? That stands for drinking under the influence of alcohol, not root beer, okay? But when you do get pulled over for something like that, they'll lock you. They'll put your hands behind your back. They'll put them cuffs on you. And a lot of times they'll say what you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. And we act like the police officer who made that up. No. He's just giving you a reality of a natural thing that came from a spiritual world. It works in that world even to the degree of taking you out. And that's what I pray for this series. Because today we're going to talk about another tough one. Man, this is pretty tough. And it's common. And it's complaining. Has anybody ever complained about anything? Do you know anybody that complains? Yeah, you look at him or her every morning. (laughs) We all are guilty at times for complaining. You know, when I think about complaining in the Bible from a biblical standpoint, I think of the children of Israel. I think about the Israelites, okay? And we see this early on in the book of Exodus. God raised up a man named who? Moses. They raised him up. The people of Israel had been in bondage and slavery for over 400 years, and he raised up this man Moses to go and help rescue them. So Moses fought with God, argued with God, didn't want to do it, but eventually he said, okay, okay, I'll do it. So he goes and he speaks on behalf of the people to Pharaoh, which he was raised in Pharaoh's house as a little boy, so Pharaoh knew him. So he goes in there and he bargains with Pharaoh. He says, hey, look, look my, let my people go because they want to go pray. They want to go, you know, offer some sacrifices to their God to, 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 to spend some time with their father. So Pharaoh said no. So what had happened? Ten plagues come and go. Frogs cover the whole city. Locusts cover the whole city. Darkness. Co- I mean, this was a bad deal, guys. This was awful. And then he would say every time a plague would come, he'd say, okay, get, y'all get out of here, y'all get out of here. But he'd his mind. He did this ten times. And then eventually he let the people go. So Moses brings the people out. You would have thought they would have been happy, right? I mean, you're in slavery and bondage for over 400 years, and you're not just treated bad. You are treated like dogs and animals. There was times that the Pharaoh would say, I want double uh, production on bricks and things like that, and they didn't give them no extra labor. I mean, just treated them like dogs. So you would have thought being brought out of that, you would have been happy, right? I mean, I think I would have. So they come out, and then they come to this Red Sea. I'm sure they are happy that they're leaving, okay? Because as they're leaving, the Bible says that the the Egyptians were giving them their gold and silver and stuff. So they're just taking all this stuff as they go. So I'm sure there was a point there that they were all whoa, high-fiving and happy, thinking, man, we're out of there. Well, then they come to this big body of water, the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, the complaining starts happening. Oh, man, okay, I see how this this is going to roll. You brought us out here, you're going to kill us. So what does God do? he done something that probably you guys see all the time. He parted the Red Sea. I'm sure y'all have been to the ocean before, laying out with your family. You look up, and then there's just a highway right down the middle of the Atlantic Ocean going, wow, that's common. I guess somebody's walking through there. No, that's not common, okay? This is a a miracle, okay? So he lets them walk through dry land. Now we're talking about three million people approximately walking through dry land. Pharaoh's army's coming, and then another miracle happens. He closed it and drowned that whole army. So did he not take care of the children of Israel? Brought them out, saved their life. Should be rejoicing at this point. I mean, we should be having a Holy Ghost service like the Pentecostals do every now and then. Let the Spirit move. You know what I'm saying? And they should really have been letting the Spirit move. When they get past that, then they start getting thirsty. (laughs) So you brought us out here, now we're going to just die of, of thirst. We're thirsty, man. Come on, man. We need something to drink forgetting all the goodness of God, just completely erasing all that. So God looks past it, and He actually, they had come up some water, and the water was really bitter, so He turns the the, the bitter water what? Sweet. He makes it to where they can drink it. Another miracle. Now, man, I needed that, man. We've been walking for a long time. Wow, thank you, Lord. Rejoicing again. We're all happy again. Well, we pick up where they've already done a lot of complaining, okay? But we're going to pick it up where the middle of the journey. This might have been two weeks in, three weeks in, I don't know. But we're going to pick it up in Exodus 16, verse 2. This is the congregation right here. This is the children of Israel. It says, Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel did what? Complain against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. What they're saying is, is they would rather hit the rewind button and go all the way back to a place to where probably the only thing they had was a good meal. But they probably had the good meal while their wife was being raped, their kids were being molested, and they probably had cuts all over them and bruises and they were banged up. But yet we would rather rewind and get that Versus thank God for what He's done. They're complaining. But see, that picture is, is for all of us in this room. I mean, man, we have a highlight moment. God does something for you. Blesses you with a job. Blesses you with a husband. Blesses you with a, whatever. good Something good happens in your life. And we're thankful for a second. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we start looking at the things that ain't going right. And we get complaining. We get to, you know, murmuring and all these kinds of stuff. And that's what's going on here. Now, I want you to drop down. This is the same chapter, just five verses removed from this. Listen to what Moses says in Exodus 16, 8. Also, Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against who? Him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against who? So when you're complaining in your life are you really complaining to your husband, your wife, your boss or the traffic that can't hear you? No. You're complaining to the Lord. Because number one the Lord might have gave you that car the the Lord might have gave you that job you're going to the Lord definitely without, without a shadow of a doubt He gave you your next breath. I mean you breathe in, you breathe out. No scientist gave you that. That came from God Almighty. We have so much to be thankful for. But if we're not careful, we can fall into the same pattern as the children of Israel. And we think that we're really complaining. It's going to make a difference. Does anybody ever get around somebody that's just complaining all the time and you just go, Oh, man, this is such a wonderful day. That's oh, awesome. I just love this. Man, could you just turn it up a notch? Still? You're not really complaining enough. We've got to get the atmosphere a little bit full. No, you ain't. You won't know. You're looking for a door. Okay? You're looking for a way out. You don't want nothing to do with that. And that's what people think about us when we complain. Amen? They think it the same way. I mean, as, as I'm saying some of this right now, some of us in this room, you're feeling a little guilty because you know you've complained. You probably complained on your way to church. I mean, we do it all the time. We, we complain because the parking was bad. Man, what's up with that cashier up there? My gosh, man, does she even know what she's doing? Look at that woman, man. Buggy's full, taking out one item at a time. I mean, really? Is there anybody else working in the store? Hello? I mean, I, you know what? Is anybody in here? Have you ever been around those people? They get fidgety in the line. I mean, they say, well, this line don't work, man. I'll tell you what these people. I, need. I mean, we complain about that. We complain about, you know, complain about our kids. We're out of coffee. Music's too loud. Don't play my favorite song. Make enough, don't make enough money. It's too hot. It's too cold. We just complain, complain, complain. Amen? What in your life do you complain about the most? Then don't speak it out. But what in your life do you really complain about the most? See, I'm a doctor, okay, and I'm trying to help you spiritually. You've got to see where you have a problem. Because the first step to ever getting better in anything, you've got to acknowledge you have a problem. Everybody in this room has a problem with your mouth. Everybody. So you're now in the doctor's office. We've called you back to the room. Everybody's sitting in the office, okay, or in the the room. Listen to me. Think for a minute. What do you complain about the most? It could be somebody that's not married. I mean, I just want to be married. My God, when's God going to bring me a husband? It could be that you're married and you think, why did you bring me a husband? Why did you bring me a wife? My God, man, these people are crazy. You know what I'm saying? Get on my nerves. You know what I'm saying? And I will say this. If they get on your nerves while you're dating, trust me. It intensifies when you get married. Okay, so get the get all that fixed before you get married. But it, it, it's stuff like that, guys. We just get upset. Then you you, you, you uh, complain about your boss. He's an idiot. The kids. You wanted kids. Now you got kids, and you think, why in the world do I got kids? Are they seventeen yet? Are they eighteen? Can they move out at ten? Okay, can they get their own place at ten? I mean, they just it's, 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 it, things we complain about. House is too small. Money's too tight. People on Facebook are crazy. And really, you're prophesying to you because you're one of them. <laughs> you're looking at the crazy. But yeah, we're going to talk bad about the crazy. And you're gonna... You know what I'm saying? It could be the smaller things. The weather's bad. Wi-Fi's too slow. Nothing to watch on TV. Nothing to do. I'm bored. Ain't nothing going on. <laughs> the problem isn't the weather or the Wi-Fi or nothing to do. The problem is Satan has taken our eyes off the goodness of God. The goodness of God. We get our eyes off the goodness. And it's, it's, it's really sad because we live in a world, guys, in our, in our country, we have so much to look at. We have so many things pulling at us all the time. I mean, we're coming up on Christmas, and if I could get in most of y'all's heads, most of y'all are probably already thinking, what am I going to buy somebody? What do I buy my kid? I mean, my guy, I'm having to tiptoe around all the stuff they got. You see what I'm saying? I mean, what are we, it's just, it's just crazy what we're faced up against and what we're having to get out of the way. But guys, if we don't learn to control that stuff, that stuff is going to control you. And we complain about stuff that really is going to bring us no value at all in the long run. We complain about things we have, and then when you get it, then you're complaining because you don't have the other one. (laughs) I mean, it's just an ongoing process. And we want to deal with that today. Hallelujah. Today... Uh, I want to look at a powerful, powerful text that was written by the Apostle Paul. And anyone who had the right to complain, it would have been the Apostle Paul. I look at the Apostle Paul like many people do, or the Israels, look at Moses. I feel like he's like our modern-day Moses. He brought us the Word of the Lord. He wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, but everything he wrote, predominantly, he wrote behind bars. So if anybody had a reason to complain, all he's doing is serving God. I mean, you guys complain when you get a speed ticket and you was going over the speed limit. You ran the red light. You know, you did do the wrong thing and we complained because we got it. You know what I'm saying? He has doing nothing wrong. He is just serving his Lord, but yet he's finding himself behind bars. He was, he was told by the angel of the Lord. He was told by Jesus that you're going to go and preach to the world. You're going to be a preacher of the known world. You're going to do this thing. You'll turn him upside down. He finds himself behind bars. In prison, chained up to a Roman soldier, hour after hour. Has anybody been to jail lately? Has anybody ever been to jail? I have. Now, those that have been in jail, was there anything when you walked into jail you went? I, I think I want to go ahead and move here. This is this is my this is my home now, man. I, I got it. I'm good. No, mom, dad, ain't gonna come get me. No, I'm good. I'm good. As a matter of fact, do not you give me some furniture? I need a chair. Need, you know, <laughs> no. There's nothing about a prison. Well, you think about it even worse because the prisoners nowadays they can work out, they, you know, they can do a little bit of stuff, play some balls. And that stuff, they didn't have all that stuff back then. This was awful. This was a dungeon. And he was probably awaiting his execution. He was chained to a Roman soldier. He could be saying, This ain't fair, God, I'm serving you. This floor is hard, the food's bad, my back's hurt. my body's hurting, and it stinks in here. But I want you to look at what Paul says in Philippians 2.14. Check out. I mean, he's in jail right here, guys, when he's writing this letter. He said, do all things without what? Blimey. Complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Do we have some of that going on today? Yeah. Okay among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. He is telling us to rejoice. Paul is rejoicing in the midst of trouble. What do you think Paul's doing as he is actually being happy? Could it be he's changing the atmosphere in a prison? Could it be that we change an atmosphere on the job? Change an atmosphere in the home? then we begin to start letting the world see what it looks like when the pressures of life come. We literally rejoice. We never rejoice in the problem. I'm not getting happy if I'm sick with the flu. Yeah, flu! Go flu! High five flu! No, I'm getting excited about the God who can bring me out of the flu. But there's something to be happy about even when you don't feel good. Just breathe for 20 or 30 minutes and ask yourself, if somebody took that away from you for an hour, where would you be? You would be gone. You know what I'm saying? So there's a part of this, guys, that we have so much to be thankful for. But again, who's wanting access to your life? The devil. The devil. He walks about seeking whom he what? May devour. Some of us are helping him too much. Let me tell you something about the devil, okay? I don't want to give him too much airtime, but he's good at what he does. He's been doing it for a long time. And if you ever get to the place to say, well, I could never be deceived of the devil. You just were. (laughs) You just were. He got you. I mean, man, the devil ain't what he's cracked up to be. But if we ignore him and we ignore him and we act like we are above it. Oh, no, man, I would never do that, man. I'd never do that. But let me tell you something, man. You are opening yourself up for something worse than you could ever imagine. But today we're putting a stop to some of that. We, t- we, we got the lying on the back burner. We got the gossip took care of. Y'all ain't been doing that in two weeks. Y'all are clean and sober for two weeks. No lying, no gossip. Whew. We're delivered. Hallelujah. Well, now we're going to work on complaining. Hallelujah. There's many spiritual reasons we should live without complaining, but I want to talk to you about some practical reasons as well. There's a doctor named Travis Bradbury. He wrote a book on emotional intelligence 2.0. He did a lot of research on the idea of complaining, and this is what he said about it. He said, repeated complaining hardwires hardwires your brain to do more what? Complaining. We find it easier to be negative than positive. He said that repeated complaining will lead us into a confirmation bias. Interpret circumstances based on preconceived ideas. Okay, you go to the car lot and you're about to pick out a car. Everybody in this room, y'all have this thought right here. When a the, when the salesman's coming, you start having this thought. Yeah, uh-huh, that liar. He's going to come over here and try to take my money. He's going to not tell me the truth. He's going to lie to me. I mean, we have that thought. When you have a negative thought about a situation, that's what he's saying, what happens is you're going to have a negative outlook on that situation. And a lot of times if we complain all the time, our mind is wired to complain when we walk into any situation, naturally speaking. I'm just talking about natural. This is what we do to our brain. Our brain's like a computer. And we program it to function the way we want it to function, good or bad. That's why when somebody steps in a room and they're really positive, people go, Really? You mean I can act like that? They stand out Positive people stand out Positive people They get published Positive people People talk about Positive people are weird Complainers Gossipers Liars Normal In the world we live Should not be We can change The world we live in One positive statement at a time. It goes on to say, uh, let's go to something else. When you think about the life of Paul lived and what he taught, I believe it could be summed up something like this right here. If you can change your circumstances, then do something about it. Something at church needs to be done. Don't complain about it. The reason why you saw that problem is because you may need to solve that problem. But in church life, this is the way it goes in church life when we see something ain't going right. Man, you know, they need to get somebody to fix that. My God, don't they see that's wrong? I mean, they need to to get somebody to fix this right here. They need to get somebody to do this. It happens the same on our, our jobs, our families, everywhere. always willing to point to somebody else, but we don't ever look at it that maybe God's showing you that for a reason. Maybe you need to be the part of fixing that problem, not blaming it on somebody else. If you can't change your circumstances then change your perspective. Change the way you look at it. I mean, there is situations that we get in, guys. We can't do nothing about it. If you're on a job and you have a boss that's from hell, and he's awful, he's terrible, and, and you really need a job, you know what? You might just need to change your perspective while you are believing God for a new job, okay? If your husband or your wife is acting crazy and they're not doing right and they're not doing things right, instead of just yack, yak 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 yack, yack, yak, blah, 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 maybe you just need to change your perspective and maybe that can bring a better outcome. If we can change a situation in our life, let's do it. But if we can't change it, then let's change our perspective. This is so powerful what Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 17. He said, but even if, and I want you to pay attention to that, even if. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. The phrase poured out like a drink offering comes from one Greek word called Spindo, S P N D O, spindo. And it really kind of means that uh, spend it all. Back in the day when they would actually have uh, animal sacrifices, ain't you glad we don't do that anymore? I mean, just blood everywhere. I mean, they did this on a regular basis, multiple times during the week and so forth. But they would actually bring an animal and they would set the animal up on the altar after they killed it. And you know, when you kill something, it bleeds all over the place. So there's blood all over the thing. And then they would burn that animal, okay? Then they would take a real expensive wine or, or they've even said honey because honey was, a big, was real expensive back in that day. But they would pour that across that offering. And what happens when you pour something on an offering that's hot? The smoke rises, right? Well, that's what Paul is talking about here. That smoke rises, and that's what actually would be the incense that actually would make, him spill, uh, would make God happy. And in this case, what Paul is saying, guys, is something that Paul was talking about his ulti- ultimate martyrdom. You know? But if you listen to this scripture, guys, it says, I am being poured out. What is Paul trying to say? Paul saw his life as a living sacrifice for God to get the message of Jesus to all the world. His life for their life. It kind of sounds like Jesus, his life for our life. What Paul is saying is, is I'm being poured out on a daily basis. I'm pouring my life out every single day. It's oozing away for God. And that right there is what's being attractive to God. He wasn't counting his life his own. He was literally saying, God, my life for your life. He was willing to lay it all down to get a message out to the known world. Just like we should be the same way. We should be willing to lay ourselves out and let our lives be a sweet-smelling savor to God. You know, Romans tells us this right here. It says, Romans 12, 1 and 2, which is a very popular verse around here. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Bodies as a living sacrifice. Not that you get on the altar, you're dead, and your blood, and you're, you're being burnt. No, no, no. It's a living every single day. We're offering our body to God. God, what do you want to do today? How do you want me to act today? What do you want me to say today? How do you want me to be today? Always laying our lives down. And friend, that's, that's almost harder than if I was to be shot, killed, put on an altar, and burn me up. That would be easy. Then I show up in heaven and say, I did it. But salvation is not about works any longer. Through the finished work of Jesus, that's been paid for. The work we have every day is to walk out the salvation to where the world notices something different about us and we're attractive instead of non-attractive. And it's work. It's a living sacrifice. He goes on to say, he says, Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform on the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul wrote this to a Roman church that was experiencing death to, we wouldn't even imagine. If you've ever been, who's been to Italy? Anybody ever been to Italy? You ever heard of the Roman Colosseum? Okay, well it's about half gone now, but you still can tour it. Well back then, Christians were their entertainment they would bring out these children of God and they would set them out there and release these lions and stuff and watch them just be ripped apart and tore apart. That was their entertainment. That was what you got if you did not deny Christ. So this is going on in the midst of a world and then Paul steps and says, hey, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Come on guys, present. They were already doing that. But he was just encouraging them, continue because it is sweet smelling to God and it's changing people's lives. How many of those guards, how many of those people that literally had their lives changed because somebody didn't bow their knee to a false dead God? Probably a lot. How many people around you are looking at you and saying, Man, are they different? Are they really real? They say they go to church, but, ah, man, a lot of people say that. But every time we go to complaining, guess who's right there? That Christian. Every time we gossip, look who's right there with us, that Christian. And we think nothing of it. We think this is just the way it is. Lost people are watching our lives every day. And we have a bad rap. Like I said last week, guys, the devil wants to embarrass Christians more than anybody else on the planet. And you've got to be aware of it. You've got to be aware of it, guys. It's so, so, so important. So if you can change your circumstances, do something about it. If you can't, change your perspective. How could Paul be in prison facing possible execution and rejoice? How could he do that? Because Paul was not the center of his story. Jesus was. See, when you're doing something for Jesus and he's the center of it, there's nothing that can come against you. There's nothing that can, you know, tear you apart because you have him at the center. You're on the outside just watching him do with your life what you're letting him. You want to experience true freedom while you live in a world that tries to get us to believe that a new phone, a new house, a new car, new clothes, new stuff is going to make you happier. It will not make you happier. It will make you more miserable. Not that I'm against stuff. I like stuff. I like it. Hallelujah. I like new stuff. But if that rules your life and that's what you look to for, you know, uh, fulfillment and joy, you're gonna be let down. You're gonna be let down. Even if you look for all of your needs being met in a in an in individual, a man or a woman, you' gonna be disappointed. Do y'all believe me? Y'all shaking your head a little halfway here. Ain't no individual can, can meet your needs. No individual, no thing, no, none of that stuff can meet your needs. Therefore, Paul said this, Chain, chained in prison, lowest of the lows. He says in Philippians 1.12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. How did they know he was in chains for Christ? How? He told them. This was an opportunity for him to witness. And he was saying, they think I'm in chains. That joker's got to be chained to me all day where I can preach to that guy all day. He's the one that's in chains. He's the one that's in bondage. Oh, no, I'm free. I get to share with him the life-giving message. Do you think Paul was making a difference in that prison? Oh, yes, he was. How many people are going to be in heaven today or when we get there that were because Paul did not count his circumstance to be looked down upon? He looked at his circumstance to be an opportunity. Amen? He looked at it as an opportunity. Change your circumstance, change your perspective. What are you chained to? Are you chained to a job? Are you chained to a health issue? Are you changed to a, 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 a relational challenge? If you cannot change that circumstances, if you can change it, change it. If you cannot, then change your perspective. I want you to, I'm going to tell you a little story about a guy named uh, Nick Vujicic. And y'all may, y'all are going to see the picture and y'all may recognize it when you see it. But imagine getting through your busy day without hands or legs. Picture your life without the ability to walk, care for your basic needs, or even embrace those you love. Meet Nicholas, we'll say V, okay? Without any medical explanation or warning, Nick was born in 1982 in Melbourne, Australia without any arms or legs. Three sonograms failed to reveal complications and yet the V family was destined to cope with both the challenge and blessing of raising a son who refused to allow his physical condition to limit his lifestyle. The early days were difficult. Throughout his childhood, Nick not only dealt with the typical challenges of school and adolescence, but he also struggled with depression and loneliness. <laughs> I can imagine. Nick constantly wondered why he was so different than all the other kids. He questioned the purpose of life, or he even, or even if he had a purpose. So you look at him. Looks like he's doing pretty well today, right? I mean, he's got a wife. He's got two beautiful kids. But do you think it was always like that in his mind? I watched a video on him, and he he even said he didn't know if he was ever going to get married. He didn't know if he was going to be able to do some things. No arms, no legs. He swims. He does things today. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't complain. He didn't think about what he didn't have. He embraced what he did have. Could he change his circumstances? No. He could not change his circumstances. But he could change his perspective. He would never have been married to that lovely lady there or he had never had those two kids if he had done what most people in America do today. Complain, 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 complain. You know, he was one of like eight cases that had that particular diagnosis. I mean, there's other people that don't have arms and legs and and they're, they're, you know, moving on too. But you know, his statement really stuck out to me. He said this, if just one more person finds eternal life in Jesus Christ, it's all worth it. He's living with no arms, no legs. He has a reason to complain, but he's chosen not to. What if in your life you chose to be different? And you said, like he said, if one life was changed because of my life, it would be worth it. And everybody in this room today, you've got arms and legs. We're blessed. We're blessed. If you can change your circumstance, then get on with it and change it. If you can't change your circumstance, then change your perspective. Change the way you're looking at it. How you look at what you're going through has everything to do with how long you stay in it. You complain, you will remain, and it will get worse. The same children of Israel, guys, the same children that we read about, the same ones, later on in the book of Exodus, you can read about it in Numbers. They had complained so much that vipers come in and started biting them and killing them their complaining had opened up and it, what it did is it, there was a well, there was a hedge of protection around the children of Israel but they're complaining all the time that hedge of protection was lifted by their complaining Vipers came in and started biting them and killing them And it's amazing how a complainer will change his mind when there's a snake biting your leg. Moses, Moses, pray, 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 God. We're sorry. We messed up. We messed up. Please, let's get this right. And a lot of times, that's what we do. We complain, we complain, we complain, and then when it just hits bottom, we're looking for an instant answer. How about let's stop complaining? Let's change our perspective. If we can change the situations in our life, let's do it. Let's do it. Paul wrote in Philippians 4.4. 4, he said, these are his final exhortations in Philippians 4. This is the last chapter. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18, it says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Very few things God would put in the Word that said it was His will, and one of them is be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Hallelujah. I love the phrase Paul used previously saying, even if I'm being poured out, even if my life is fading away, yet I will rejoice. Even if I have no arms and legs, I will rejoice. Even if I don't get the job, even if I don't get married, even if the pain in my body continues, even if my finances don't get better, even if I do stay in this difficult season too long, yet I will rejoice. I will rejoice. We do not rejoice in the sickness, disease, or the financial struggle, or the depression. We rejoice in the God who can bring us out. Don't see problems. See divine possibilities. We don't look at the obstacles. We don't focus on the obstacles. We see opportunity. Amen? We see opportunity. You know, David said this in closing. David said this in Psalms 103, and this is one of the passages that me and Belinda stood on when we was walking through the situation, and we still stand on to this day. But David had a lot of reasons to complain himself, and he did do a lot of complaining. David did do some complaining. But David said this in Psalms 103, and I want this to stick with you. You ought to underline this. This is a powerful few verses. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Forget not all His benefits. Wow. How easy we forget how good God is. Breathe in, breathe out. Wax on, wax off. Seriously, how easy we forget the blessings of God. We just went through Thanksgiving, and I think a lot of us may be reflecting on some of that, man, what we're thankful for. But you need to be thankful for a God who loves you. And He's with you no matter what you go through. No matter what you go through. But He goes on to say, Who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, who redeems us from destruction, our life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. God is a good Father and He loves each one of you so much. The enemy does his best to get us to look at the things from a negative standpoint. He knows if he can get us to look at the problem instead of looking to God for the answer, He has got us. Things could be different right now Life could be hard for you right now. Maybe things are not going your way. Maybe things in your life are a struggle right now. I don't want to minimize that, guys. We all face things. I don't want to minimize that. But I'm saying this. Gazing at the problem, focusing about the problem, and talking about the problem will never change the problem. We see a recipe for healing. We see a recipe of coming out, yet I will rejoice. That can be difficult, guys. That can be difficult when you're going through hard times. I know, I know, I know I've been there. It was difficult for me to see her. Last year this time, I was coming to church by myself. She didn't have the strength to come to church. How do you rejoice in that? When your wife is gasping for her next breath. Can't eat hardly. Can't even hardly talk to you most of the time. I'd walk in the kitchen and walk back out. She's asleep because she didn't have the energy to be able to talk to me. I mean, how do you rejoice in that? Yet I will rejoice. I will rejoice. I'll put one foot in front of the other. I'll put one foot in front of the other and my God shall see me to the other side. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to praise. I want to encourage you guys. You're all going to have opportunities to complain. You're going to have them opportunities. But I promise you, if you'll just stop, drop, and roll, (laughs) pretend there's fire on you, And you'll begin to examine yourself and say, okay, I'm about to open my mouth. This is a bad situation. I'm about to open my mouth. What needs to come out of my mouth? And it's easy to say when everything's going good, but I promise you, you're going to be going through some things. And you need to know that in order for your situation to turn around, it starts right there with your tongue. Your big, fat mouth. Don't mean to be too blunt. Today let's make a commitment to not be a complainer or negative person any longer. We're going to be positive all the time. And if we mess up, we're going to ask God to forgive us and we're going to get back up and be positive. Because the Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I want to eat some good fruit. I want to eat fruit that helps me live. Fruit that helps me thrive. Helps me be financially strong. Helps me be a witness. I want to eat that fruit. I don't want to eat the fruit from the enemy. I don't want to bite his apple. We're going to watch our what? Big, fat mouth. We're going to watch it. I know sometimes I can come across a little bit serious sometimes. Guys, I've been serving God for a little over 30 years. I know ain't long, okay? And I've walked through some things like you guys have. And I can tell you guys, God will bring you through every situation in your life. But you better be building yourself up right now. You better be getting stronger in the Lord right now. Because if you're waiting till the problem hits to start getting stronger, you're going to get wiped out. Just like a football player waiting to work out right before the game. They're going to get wiped out. A boxer waiting to train 10 minutes before he's getting in the rink. Ain't going to make it. There's a training process and God is just telling us, hey, let's move up. Let's rejoice. Let's get in the Word. Let's get closer to Him. Because opportunities of complaining, lying, gossiping are coming. And what comes out of your mouth has everything to do with where you go. The Bible says it's like a a rudder on a ship, man. That thing stirs your life. Something that important, we've got to give it some really important attention. So, Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. But more than that, Father God, I thank you for the the grace that you've shown all of us here today. That Because you love us, that you're opening up our eyes to see things that could cause our life not to go well. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to speak to us about complaining. That, Father, today we would put a guard over our mouth that we would watch every word that comes out of our mouth, that we would not be complainers, that we would be people that bring positivity to this world, that we would be people that brag on the goodness of God and we rejoice every single day because, God, we know that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're walking through it and we're not going to stay in it. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for showing up and showing out in our lives. We love you today, and I thank you, Lord, that today we make a commitment. And I want everybody in the room, you guys, y'all pray this within yourself. You make a commitment in your own heart that I'm not going to be a complainer. And in your own heart, everybody in this room, man, we need to ask God to forgive us because you know you have complained. I've complained. So let's all stand, and we're just going to ask the Lord to forgive us. We're going we're to hit the reset button and when we walk out of here, guys, we are getting free, man. God is showing us a pathway to life and abundance through our words. He's giving us an awareness. He's like got big billboards and He's showing us no gossip, no lying, no complaining. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Because He cares for each one of us. And He wants to see us reach the ultimate destination that He has for us. So let's all go before the Lord, and you can just repeat this after me. We'll repeat it together. Nobody prays alone, because nobody gossips alone. Hallelujah, okay? So let's all say, Dear Father, we ask You to forgive us right now for complaining. Father, we ask You for grace and mercy to avoid all complaining in our lives. Father, we thank You today. That we are going to make a commitment to be a light in a world full of complainers today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.